0: Cairo, Seattle.
1: It's time to get schooled with a professor, Sean Clayton.
0: Yeah, welcome to Schooled with the Professor. We are pleased to be joined by Steve Weish, uh, NFL reporter for the NFL Network. And also you can follow him at Weish89, Weish89, uh, along with doing some all these different things. But of course, I guess the big story as a former beat writer for the Falcons and uh, not for the Falcons, but covering the Falcons. Uh, what was your reaction to the Julio Jones trade and who won, who didn't win? How do you evaluate it?
1: Well, I mean, I knew it was coming. I think we all knew it was coming, yeah. you know, once, you know, it was reported that he asked for a trade and look, things have not been great with Julio any organization, Gosh, probably dating back to this time last year, if not longer. <clears throat> so, you know, this is really no surprise. And I think the losing of last year and him being hurt just compounded things. So with a, with a regime change, it was probably a good time for him to be out. So the fact that, you know, he's going to Tennessee for a second-round pick, which is probably going to be a back-end, too, because the Titans should be really good, um, it goes to show you that even though there were competing offers for, for Julio, because he's a competing bid. This was the best the Falcons could get. And and I think, look, they were willing to take this all the way to training camp, but they seemed to have gotten the feeling that it really was going to get much better than this, so let's go ahead and do it now. Clear the cap space so they can sign their rookies, give themselves a little bit of flexibility to maybe do something with some other veterans, and and continue to move on so this isn't hanging over. So it's hard to tell who won, but I mean what the Falcons did by getting a second Another second-round draft because as they did. If they're, if they're not very good this year, they do have now have some draft capital to move up, especially if they get to the quarterback sweepstakes after the season.
0: What caused Julio to uh, turn against the team last year? What, what was it? A contract thing? Because he's making twenty-two million. Yeah, bucks.
1: yeah. I mean, I, I think there was you know some stuff with the contract. I just think he got a little tired of the way things were going there, as well, especially the losing. So, look, Julio was still getting his balls. He was still getting the yards. when I mean, he was healthy. He was still, you know, one of the top two or three best receivers in the NFL. But personally, some of the stories you hear, just he just wasn't, wasn't thrilled um, to be part of that organization. And he made that clear to Arthur Smith, um, you know, through his agent, I believe, once, you know, Smith was hired, that, you know, look, if you can get me out of here, please get me out of here because I don't want to be there. Hmm. And... So, you know, look, and, and the one thing I'll say this, John, and you know this as, as a longtime veteran of the league, if you're, if you're a new regime and you're trying to establish credibility and make your, your organization a destination for free agents, good coaches, whatever, if you haven't got a good player like him, somebody who's meant a lot to the club, you don't want to trade him to NFL Siberia, right? So they traded him to a good team. So that, that even though, you know, they traded a fan favorite, they didn't like crap all over him. They traded him someplace where he can go and finish his career out on a high note. That really, you know, eliminates you know some of the bad blood and possibly allows for healing if there is any you know any more need to be you know you know things to be repaired moving forward.
0: Was was he okay with Matt Ryan? I don't know, did he have any problems with Matt at all?
1: I mean, you, you hear some things that you know they they weren't necessarily the best friends they didn't go out to dinner you know but you hear that all the time but you know they look they look at look at how successful they were with one another right i mean when julio was healthy last year they were doing it so whether they they got along or whether they didn't off the field on the field the chemistry was there so and i think you know when we're, we're talking about it, that's all that really matters
0: what do you see uh happening as far as, because I know that Curtis Ridley uh, just had a little bit of a procedure, and so he's he's banged up right now. Uh, I know that Kyle Pitts, which of course, I, now you know why they probably took Kyle Pitts over uh, Penny Sewell, because they figured that uh, Julio was going to be gone. But how good do you think that offense can be?
1: We'll see. You know, look, the one thing that is key to an Arthur Smith offense is the running game, right? So they've got Mike Davis, who's a big power back. And he, and he played really well for parts of last season. He was at Carolina. Um, but what do they have behind him? I mean, Cordell, Cordero Patterson's kind of a spot back. He's not necessarily number two. He's a guy you can do some things with him. Um, and so if the run game's not working the way it's supposed to do, then, then this is all for naught. But in terms of the passing game, Matt Ryan is who he is. Calvin Ridley's a legitimate number one wide receiving option. And, and the guy no one talks about, you know, I know we're talking about Kyle Pitch, is Russell Gage. He was a number three wide receiver last year, and he was was pretty good. I mean, you look at his numbers. They're really good for a number three wide receiver. And go back and watch a game like the Dallas game last year and how effective he was, especially in certain down or distance situations. So they have options there, but right now it's not like defensive coordinators are saying, okay, we've got a scheme for this guy or that guy other than Calvin Ridley. And, And that's where if you're doubling up or you put a lockdown guy on him, that changes how you have to run your offense if you can't run the
0: ball. Yeah. The one issue, though, I think is the offensive line. Because remember a couple of years ago that you know they ended up using two first-round picks on offensive linemen? And I know McGrady over at the right tackle position from Washington has struggled. I mean, where do you see yep. the offensive line right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's an issue. That's an issue now. Remember what they did when Dirk Cutter's running this offense is they were throwing the ball 9,000 times a game. I mean, look at, look at Matt Ryan's attempts. Um, both times Dirk Cutter was the OC there. It's insane. Uh, so again, I think that's where if they can get to a blocking scheme and they run the ball more and you know this well, John, you can mask weaknesses when your offensive line, <clears throat> excuse me, if you can run the ball and you get them to play on a thread. You know, everyone doing unison, whether it's that stretch-its-own scheme, which is what Arthur Smith runs, or whether if it's man block if, if they can play on the thread and play smart, you can cover up some of the holes. But in terms of pass protection, a legitimate concern. Now, that's the one thing they do. Remember, Hayden Hurst is there as the other tight end. You know, they're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. So he can be kept in or Pitts can be kept in from time to time for pass-protection schemes to help things out. But again, this is where strategically they cannot get behind the sticks, meaning on first down they've got to get at least four-plus yards. So on second down they're, they're really looking at second and fives. More and more they're looking at second second and eights, where teams can just really start to load up on them because you can get predictable. So that's that's what they have to do. That's a big question mark. And look, when you look at the rest of the division too, you know, there's some question marks in New Orleans about Jameis. You don't know what Sam Darnold's going to be in Carolina, but just overall, with the Falcons' schedule, to see them, you know, finish plus 500, I think that would be a, considered a huge success based on how that roster looks right now.
0: So, what do you see from Tennessee? Uh, what what is the addition of Julio Jones does to their offense? It's frightening. It's it's, it's
1: absolutely frightening because now, tell me a team that isn't going to be a nickel most of the time. right? You have to be a nickel, if not dime, almost every down that A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are on the field because of their capabilities. And no matter where they are on the field, even if you're in the red zone, you have got to be able to double one, if not both of them. So what does that do? It opens up Derrick Henry. Okay, so now you go to your base defense. Boom. Julio Jones or A.J. Brown is available now the one thing you know that the tight end situation remember they that's that was an arthur smith what he loved to do he loved to utilize the tight ends as well will the tight end still be as much of a factor we'll see um but i mean this is a dangerous dangerous offense but you know the one thing you know when it comes to julio is 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 durability you know we've seen him get nicked last year what he played 10 games i think maybe um, we shouldn't get Nick. He's got to stay on the field for this whole thing to work, and that's the risk. That's why a lot of teams were not willing to give up a first round or even a back-end one to get to Julio because he's 32. He's got a massive salary for the next two years, and there's that, that, that durability concern. So that, to me, is the only real issue on offense. Tennessee's defense has to get better. They can't get after the passer. That's been their big Achilles heel for years. You know they don't have anybody who can win one on one. They've got to scheme up pressure, um, and that's not necessarily an ideal thing when you're playing in a division with an Indianapolis and you're playing an AFC. I think that's going to be fairly deep. You know when you look at some of the teams in the conference.
0: So where do you put the uh, battle between the Titans and the Colts right now for the AFC South? Which team is better, or are they pretty close?
1: Ooh, I mean, look, I've got to give it to Tennessee because, you know, Ryan Tannehill is pretty. Pretty steady quarterback. You know, he's he's reliable. You don't know where it's going to get out of Carson Wentz. That's that's, that's the big thing. Oh, the Colts are a Super Bowl contender if Carson Wentz can return to his old form. You know, look, they're not going to ask, the Colts will not ask of him what Philadelphia did because if they can run the ball. They've got that great offensive line that can mash. They've got a defense that's going to get takeaways and, and going to force punts that's going to give possessions back to the offense. It's just a matter of, of if Carson Wentz can do his thing. Um, if he does, I, I give it to the to the Colts, but that's the if thing. Right now, John, I still have to say Tennessee because the quarterback situation is just a little bit more reliable. It's not a lot more reliable.
0: Yeah, what's interesting is that Tannehill was the one who opened up uh, his pocket to uh, open up the cap room to be able to get that fifteen point three million dollars salary in of Julio Jones. And the I- irony of it is, it, you know, they're both on three-year contracts, you know, at least three years remaining on their contracts, two after this year. So they could be together for three years because there's no way that Tannehill, is kind of like the Matt Ryan deal in Atlanta, you know, by him pushing uh base salary and replacing it with signing bonus, there's no way that Matt Ryan's not, uh, not going to be, he'll, he'll be there for a couple more years.
1: Well, he'll be there this year. Yeah. You know, we'll see, they, you know, look this is the one thing like we just saw them do with Julio by pushing it to June 1 they can do that the following season with Matt Ryan you know if Matt Ryan just looks like this is it for him they can June 1 cut or trade him next year push that that salary cap number into the future years and with the the, the cap going to go up you know significantly in 2023 thought it'd be a little bit more palatable to eat that type of dead money.
0: Interesting. As far as other quarterbacks, uh, what's your read on the Aaron Rodgers situation? Is he going to uh, take a hold out into the regular season and force the trade?
1: I don't know. But I don't think it's a forced trade issue, John. I think it, I think the Packers are like either you play for us or you don't play for anybody. We're not going to trade you. And you know, some of the things you hear, you just hear mixed messages. We're still we're still really far out, um, but at the same time, not that far out. So, um, some people are like they don't see him coming back, or he's going to take this deep into training camp. Um, other folks are like, you know, he he could come back, but there's got to be some things. I mean, this issue, this issue is not with Aaron Rodgers and the coaching staff, his teammates, with the city of Green Bay. It is with management, <laughs> and that, and it is from everything I've heard, it is not good. So this is a philosophical thing, that it's the, and it's the same thing, John, we saw play out with Favre and Ted Thompson. We know how ugly that was at the back end of Favre's career, in large part because Favre kept retiring, unretiring, this and that. Part of that was because he was disgruntled because they weren't going out and getting him Randy Moss and players like that. And so um, the fact that this is kind of repeating itself is, is interesting. And, look, if Aaron Rodgers says, okay, I won't play, I'll, I'll pay back money, I, I won't get $30 million this year, he's still, he's still a young man in life. He, With his name and his brand, he can recoup that money off the field. It's just money that he'll never necessarily gain in that type of lump sum from playing football. But I, I just think Aaron loves the game so much. That the possibility of him playing in Green Bay this year still remains.
0: Yeah, of course. The one thing is that you know he's already got six point eight million bucks in his pocket from the roster bonus that he had in March, so he's got some money to play with that uh, he could lose, uh, maybe a game check or a couple of game checks if necessary.
1: Yeah, I mean there, there's that as well. I mean, and, and let's you know let's also not forget he is a generationally wealthy man. He's already yeah. made a boatload of money as it is. So, I mean, it, it's not like he's a fringe player trying to hang on. He could retire right now and be good for the rest of his life.
0: Now, the other interesting one, I know Kareem Jackson brought this up yesterday, of uh, with, with his former teammate. He says that he's been talking to Deshaun Watson for several weeks, and Deshaun wanted to get out, that he wants to go to the Denver Broncos. One, I don't know if Denver ownership would allow that to happen Two, we know that Houston's saying they're not going to trade him but and three we don't know where the league stands on him so how do you read the Deshaun Watson situation with his 22 lawsuits and not being able to be deposed until February 22nd of next year
1: yeah I I think Deshaun Watson will not be playing football
0: this year anywhere
1: I mean look what owner could sell Deshaun Watson to his fan base right now with these allegations hanging over him. I mean, you you can't do it. If you're supposed to be um, serious about your, your character policy of, of sexual misconduct, the league policy of sexual misconduct, even, you know, regardless of what's going on, it's, it's too much. There's too many questions to take that on right now. So I don't think there's any team that would trade for him. Even, even if the Texans said, Hey, it's his first seventh round draft. Um, Now, next year, um, we'll see. I mean, they'll be, we'll know about the depositions. There's time for Deshaun to do character rehab. Um, there will be teams that say, like, Denver might need a quarterback. And they'll say, okay, we're going to go for him. We've checked out his background. We've seen teams do this with guys before. We've checked him out. We're going to take a flyer on him. We're going to hold him to a certain standard. You know, Tyree Kill. The, the stuff with you know that he did with in Kansas City and Andy Reid put all these parameters around him. Same with Michael Vick when he came back out of prison when when Andy Reid took him back. So we've seen these before. But overall this year it's going to be you know Ty Taylor is going to be quarterback for the Houston Texans. It's going to be a, it, it is not going to be a good year down there. They could have the first overall pick. You know that could also help facilitate getting Deshaun out of town because they could take the hot quarterback and say okay now we're going to trade Deshaun.
0: Which makes a lot of sense, but uh, yeah. But how crazy have you looked back at this year as far as quarterback movement and also just quarterback intrigue? It's it's like it's like none other. Yeah.
1: You know it's 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 like the last two years though, John. When you think of Tom Brady going (laughs) going to Tampa Bay, and, and just you know, but then this year you've got Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, number one, number two picks getting traded. You've got You know, all the stuff with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, you know, it's, it it, it is just, you know, Matt, you know, Matthew Stafford getting out of football Siberia and coming to a team where now they look like they could be the team coming out of the NFC West. So just a whole lot of intrigue. And then you add some of the draft pick, you know, scenarios, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields in Chicago, you know, what's going to happen? Jimmy G clearly is on the green mile in San Francisco. He's going to play this year, but he'll be gone next year because of them drafting Trey Lance. So that, that that's just absolutely incredible. And, and the funny thing is we haven't even really talked about what we normally talk about with quarterbacks and that's contracts and contract extensions. This is unhappy guys, new guys, guys on the move instead of the money thing, which is usually the big atom bomb that we go through every year when we're talking about quarterbacks in the NFL.
0: I know it's been it's been remarkable, Steve Weish and Steve. I thank you for joining us, NFL reporter for the NFL Network. You can catch him on Twitter at Weish89. Hey, Steve, thanks for joining us on Schooled with a Professor.
1: Always, John.
0: And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.